0: And we don't realize that often the hardness is our initiation. It's strengthening things. It's doing things in our souls that need to be done. But we've been so conditioned by comfort. We are flabby souls.
1: You're a man of strong passion, a warrior of great courage, designed and created to conquer, to crush it in singleness and marriage to master fatherhood, finance, and health. You were made to reign in life, gentlemen. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host Ray Delanuest. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm coming to you from the not so sunny Sunshine State of Florida, and I'm actually a little bit sad because uh, my time here is dwindling down rather quickly. I'm going to be moving out of here in the next sixty days, and I'm excited to move on to do my follow-on training. But it's been nice being here. Um, if you're from Florida, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This is this place is a paradise in and of itself itself. So if you follow me on YouTube, you probably noticed that I've been a little bit inactive and there's a reason for that. Guys, I'm pre-recording six months worth of weekly episodes to be able to release while I'm doing that training. So it takes a lot out of me. I still have three children. I still have a wife. I still have a job. And I'm trying to get all of these guests on the podcast episode, edit them, and then get them stacked up and ready so that I could continue to release quality episodes, right? So I'm not going to sacrifice quality for quantity, and that is my promise to you. By the way, I got a new Instagram this week. For you guys that have been following me for a while, you know I've had no social media, and there's actually been a reason for that. But I realized that if I'm going to engage men where they are, I have to go to where they are. So thanks to all our new subscribers from the podcast that came from the Instagram, I've got a lot of traction and a lot of feedback from there. So guys, thank you for doing that. If you already are not following us on Instagram, that handle is going to be at Made To rain. That's Made. T-O-R-E-I. G N. Go ahead and connect with us there. I told you that there's going to be a special announcement today. So here it goes. Now I named this ministry reign in life because I truly believe in my heart that we are made by God to reign in all aspects of life, not just in our church life, but in every single area. It doesn't matter if you are a Walmart cart pusher or you're a CEO at a fortune 500 company. Like we are all called to reign in every single aspect of our lives. And that is the message that I weave. And sew within these episodes, but in order to, serve different audiences and to open me up to future opportunities, I'm now changing the name to this ministry from Rain in Life to Made to Rain. Now, everything else remains the same. I still want to engage men where they are, empower them with truth, and encourage them on the walk. And you can now find us and connect with us on our website, madetoreign.org. Again, that's made to Rain. I'm so excited about this, and I'm excited to introduce our next guest to you. Gentlemen, my next guest literally needs no introduction, but here goes one anyways. He's an author, a counselor, a teacher, a father, and a husband who's devoted to helping people discover the heart of God. You may know him as the founder and director of Ransom Heart Ministries based out of Colorado, or you might know him from his killer books, Wild at Heart, Fathered by God, Waking the Dead, Desire and Epic, and as of last week, guys, his most recent book, Get Your Life Back. Gentlemen, I introduce to you the one, the only, Mr. John Eldridge. John, how you doing today?
0: Yeah, man. Uh, good. Great to finally be with you.
1: I am so excited to have you here today, guys, and I want you to know that I am have every intention of being selfish today simply because this is somebody that I have looked up to for so long. I feel like I've sat at his feet for um, over half a decade, and it's so awesome to have the opportunity to be able to um, ask you some personal questions, and hopefully it is something that you guys get to grow from and draw from and, and be nourished from. Um, John, I love asking this question of my guests, and it's it really It's, uh, it's awesome to see how people have different perspectives on it. But I want to know if you had, uh, maybe like a minute, we'll give you a minute and a half to go back and talk to your 20 year old self. What would you say to him?
0: I would say you're not alone and you're going to be okay. That was three seconds. I, I just think that so many young men like me, You know, we got into our 20s without a lot of guidance, without a lot of fathering, without really a clear sense of how to move forward into young manhood. Uh, Didn't really know we were supposed to be the warrior, though we kind of felt it inside. Didn't really know how to be the lover. Um, And just that feeling of it's up to me. I got to figure this out. I got to make something happen, generate it. I think so much of my 20s was a lot of fear and a lot of striving um get it going bud get get your act together come on get on top of things make something happen uh, and and it was so fatherless it was I, I it was really operating in a lot of isolation now the truth is i i had a rich faith and i have a life in god and you know i was going to get married uh at 23 so there was love in my life but still deep, deep down in there, you know, I just needed an older man to come along and put his arm around me and say, you're not alone. You're going to be fine.
1: So that, I love the fact that it is something that you can point to, um, happening, not just, you know, one time and, and just for a year, but maybe on an entire season of your life, you lived live this out. Could you point to a defining moment when it maybe clicked for you that you didn't need to do it that way? What was that moment? What did that season look like? And, and was there a specific person that maybe came along and, and, and showed you a different way?
0: You know, there are these different moments. I remember I, um, I grew up in L.A., in the suburbs, um, and it, it was killing me because I'm, I just love wildness and wilderness and beauty and the outdoors. I really wanted to learn how to fly fish, but like everything else in my life, you know, I had to teach myself. I, it was, you know, you're on your own, figure it out. And, and I was on this river here in Colorado and I was not catching anything, but I was watching up river. I was watching a guy catch a ton of fish and it was pissing me off. I'm like, what, what is with this guy, man? He, he has got the golden touch. And so finally I went up and I kind of sat at a respectful distance, but I just, I wanted to watch him and this older guy very kindly sees me and he waves me over and he's like, come on down. And he's like, what are you using? And I show him and he's like, yeah, that that won't work in this river. And, and, and how are you doing it? And I kind of show him, he's like, yeah, that, there's a different technique here. Let me show you how. And so he literally re-rigs my rig and invites me down into his honey hole and he, you know, and I, and I catch a fish, boom. And he, and he just kind of passed me on the shoulder. He's like, "You take you take this hole. I'll go. I'll go upriver." And and like moments like that, where God was with me and, and He was saying, "I, I will father." He had two uh, Brent, Curtis, uh, and and just sitting with an older man who who would listen to my story with kindness. That was that was my first experience of that in my entire life. I was like. God bones on, you know, God with skin on in front of me, uh, fathering me and showing me you're not alone and you're going to be okay.
1: That resonates with me so much. Maybe that time period that you're talking about, I want to know, like practically what is somebody that a young man that's in that stress bubble, um, the, the career starting or has started, they have the family they're trying to build connections. What are practically, what are some ways that is some things that he can do to kind of bring his heart to that, to this realization that God, you are fathering me. God, you, you are doing something here and you haven't left me alone. I'm not alone and I am going to be okay.
0: On a real simple level, just begin to ask for it because I never even asked for it. You know, I just made the assumption it's not, it's not really available. So you begin to ask for it and then you look for the ways that he's bringing it, you know, because we all have this idealized thing. You know, Obi-Wan Kenobi is going to become our father and, and, and he's going to take us through the journey. Right. We're going to, you know, William Wallace is going to ride up on a horse and, and invite us to be a part of his army. Like and and so we ask for it and then we are open to how he wants to bring it. But I would also say um, you need a couple brothers in your life you need a couple guys that you are really doing life with. And and I don't mean an accountability group or a Bible study. I mean, just a couple guy, one guy, maybe two, maybe three that you guys can be real with. And, uh, maybe, maybe it's, maybe you guys get together over a fire pit and smoke a cigar. Maybe you go, you know, down to the beach and hang out for an evening, but something, some context you're in your garage, um, in, because the fathering peace will come, but you also need brothers. You need guys who can walk with you shoulder to shoulder, and you can kind of get, get in each other's foxhole and fight for each other. And when one guy is really struggling, you know, the other guy or two can really come around him and speak words of life and pray for you. So it's both. I would seek, I'd seek both.
1: John, I told you that I was going to have some questions that, uh, that I fielded from some people in the audience. And I'm actually going to steal a question here before I, uh, I bring up that segment because it has to do kind of with what you're saying. So let's say you have a guy, um, who's spent his entire life hiding his emotions, hiding his feelings, and he's a church going dude. He loves the Lord. Um, he knows some stuff is jacked up. He knows he's keeping it inside, but he just can't get over the fact that he has to be intimate he has to go and meet other men. He has to seek uh, that kind of connection. What would you say to that young man?
0: With compassion, I want to say there's a reason, right? What's the reason? There, there's a reason that you do not want to get intimate with anybody. Why? Because uh, that was me. I was a Lone ranger. <clears throat> I didn't want... You know, I would hear people, I was I was good with Jesus. I met Jesus when I was 18, 19, and and I love him. And I was good with Jesus, but I didn't want anything to do with God as Father. And I would I would be in these prayer groups and I would hear people praying to like Abba, Father, or people would even pray, Papa, we come to you now. And I'm like, I don't get it, and I don't want it. So so the, the question would just be if we could be kind to ourselves and just say, why? Why, why, what are you afraid of? What's the fear behind the intimacy? Because the whole idea guys is this, is that you have a story and your story has shaped you into the person you are. And your short story is also keeping you from being the person that you wanna be. And so you gotta go back in your story. You got it. you have to, you gotta deal with it. And, and so why? like why who taught you that intimacy is a bad thing or a dangerous thing uh or something to be feared like there's a reason behind that and and rather than beating yourself up and and saying just do it dude you actually want to be more compassionate and say well why and and where's that come from you go back in your story and you find betrayal or you find abandonment and oh man, that's the gold. That is the gold because that is where Jesus can do his healing
1: work in your life. You know, as you talk about story, I I remember my first um, uncomfortable encounter and this is my, my obedience at the time of taking your advice and finding myself in in, in stories and, and especially movies. Um, So took a, some advice, I think it was in one of the, your books and it was to watch, um, kingdom of, uh, kingdom of God about the, uh, Balian, uh, the, uh, knight of Eblin. was, it was was his father. Right. Um, and, and it's so funny because I did find myself and I did find my why in one of the, in pretty much towards the middle of the movie, but one scene really defined it. And it was when he was given this identity um, and everything that his father owned, kind of just, and he just kind of showed up. He just showed up, rode with his, his father's band of knights and his father passed away. Now it was him. It was up to him. And then he was just going to be this fierce warrior. And it pissed me off. I'm like, no, that doesn't make any sense. And I finally, after journaling, I realized why that is so important to me, so key to me. And, and to me, Really defining where there's some dysfunction in my life. And it's that he didn't work for it. He didn't earn it. You know, he didn't grind. He didn't hustle. He didn't have to go through years and years and years and years of struggle. And here he is given this identity. And then uh, in the middle of the movie, there's a bishop that says, Who do you think you are? Do you think that you will alter the world? Do you think that by naming men, uh, making men knights, you will make them better fighters? And then there's this dramatic pause. And all he does is turn around and say, yes, <laughs> that's it. finding <sighs> yourself in story. I, I love it. Um, and it really can reveal some, some, some hard truths to swallow. And again, for me, that was the, the fact that I felt like I needed to work for it.
0: So something in your story gave you a very deep belief that you got to work for it. You got to suck it up and gut it out. And then maybe maybe. Right. And, and so you got to go back in the story and go, where did I learn that? You know, cause that wasn't from God that, that was from my story. And then that's where the healing work can really take place. It, this
1: is just me being frank, honest, uh, and, and, and just candid about this. It, it's funny because I probably didn't put this down on on paper and it it is coming out right now. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that um, I grew up away from my father's house. Um, I grew up in a hut in a foreign country with my mother alone, but my father was nearby and he had his own family. And I always had the idea impressed on me that I needed to work a little harder than all my brothers to get his attention. And um, yeah, I can totally see it. I see it. You're absolutely right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And in that those things are very deep and very defining. And what we do is we say, OK, Jesus, I see it. And now I invite you in. The door opens from the inside. We open the door. And, and so we invite him in and say, Jesus, I need you to come in and, and heal this. Speak to this. Love me here. You know, let's go. Let's go, on, let's go on the journey together to heal this deep conviction in me. And then, and then he'll do that. And he'll do it in 100 different ways in 100 different guys' lives. You know, he'll bring people. He'll bring movies. You'll be driving down the road and a song comes on the radio and it just slays you. You know, he, he, he'll do all this different stuff to get in there to say, you know, in my house, you are a complete son. You're not half a son. You're not kind of a son. My house, you're a full son.
1: After, again, after reading you, your books, and uh, listening to your podcast for so long, I think that I can assume, and and tell me if I'm wrong, that you aren't very fond of formulas or steps and one, two, threes, and and kind of having things so easily uh, lined up for people to follow this, this path. Would that be a correct statement? Well,
0: I, I think we need we need some direction. I'm not against direction, but the thing is this life never goes in a real straight line, does it?
1: Yeah, no. <laughs> you no,
0: know, it just um, your your dreams, your calling, your love affairs, your work, none of it goes in a straight line. And if we give people the impression that if you just do these three things in three days you're gonna be fine we actually end up adding more condemnation on people because it doesn't work out. right? And then they go, well, I guess I'm the idiot, right? I'm the one guy.
1: Who doesn't work for. work for Yeah, But I do
0: want to say there is a path. It's not like it's just chaos. It's not like there's no help. There is help. There's deep help. There's profound help. Uh, if you're willing to take the journey of the heart, there is plenty of help available it's just it's just not the simple little hallmark card one two three thing you know it takes courage takes perseverance it takes those things that shape us into men,
1: yeah so I, I'm glad you went there because that's exactly uh, the the kind of the next part of that question um, where did that rich value for deep heart connection, uh, introspection, um, soul seeking, where did that come from in your life? Where did you realize um, or when and what season did you kind of see, you know, it's, it's more than just what's happening on the outside, what's happening inside.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I kind of had two, I had two conversions. My first was, um, coming out of the drug culture and, uh, you know, police record and all that stuff and I met Jesus and it was real and it was huge and, and he changed my life and I was I was like I said 18, 19. Um, but then uh, later, really really as a young man, young 30s, I had a second conversion and it was the awakening that the gospel is an offer of wholeheartedness. The gospel is actually a restoration project. It's, it is it is forgiveness, but it's not only forgiveness. It is the promise of heaven, but it's not only that. Um, God actually cares very deeply about our humanity. He cares about your soul, your life, your story. That was a mind blower for me. Nobody told me that. Uh, wait, it's a restoration project? You, want, you are after... My wholeheartedness? Well, that changes everything. Now, now I can look at my story with hope because you are you're working restoration, right? I'm not just stuck. And I think I buried most of it in my 20s because I thought, well, there's no answer for that stuff. Just just dug it out and and be a good man and come through, work hard. Uh. But then the second conversion of wait a second, the gospel project is a restoration project. Like you care, care about my wholeheartedness. That's huge. That's so it changed what I read and what I listened to and who I hung out with and you know it just it changed everything because I'm like well I want that, I want that. If that's the deal, I am after that big time.
1: What do you see? right now is one of the, like a, a key thing that you're doing to keep, uh, your heart, your soul grounded, to feed your heart and soul?
0: Well, um, we go through these different seasons in life. And, and so I, I entered into the warrior phase in my thirties with, with a lot of passion and, and really learned to become, uh, a warrior. I became a very seasoned and very effective warrior, uh, but what I began to realize, you know, 15 years into that, was I I made mission more important than God. And in and, and, and that's okay. That's okay. There's almost a time in our life where mission does become really huge for us. And it's your career, your dreams, your friendships, it's all the stuff you're fighting for, right? Your calling, your place in the world. Uh, but, but when you replace mission as the main thing, when you make it the first thing, uh, instead of your relationship with God, um, you're going to eventually, uh, hit some walls. And, and so I, you know, I, part of me right now, there's some, there's some beautiful course correction going on with that of like, I don't want mission to be the main thing. I love it. Uh, I love passion, purpose, you know, but uh, it's not the main thing. And so there's, when you say what's keeping me grounded right now, I, I would say that kind of recalibrating, uh, you know, for my own heart's sake, because the restoration project continues. And, and let me give you an example of that. So, you know, guys who encounter wild at heart or listen to anything that we teach, you know, we, we unpack the father wound we talk about that as a pretty significant thing because a man, you know, gender identity is bestowed by the father and masculinity is bestowed by masculinity. And, and, and if not the father, then a father figure, you know, an uncle, a coach, a teacher, you know, an older brother, right? Okay. But now what God's really opening up in our lives, we're really understanding the significance of the mother wound and, and mothering and what happens to a man's soul if he doesn't get, healthy mothering and as a boy and that's like it's awesome it's a whole new deal that we're we are learning and we are being healed in and we're going to be able to offer to guys as well so so my example was the restoration project continues you know there's always something in us that god is he's after he's after he's working he's loving you know he's
1: John, I want to just say, and like, and being honest, like nothing about that seems attractive to the young man, because I feel like I want to work to something and I just want to be done. Right. I want to get to the destination and I, and I like the thrill of working at it, but I want to know that the restoration is going to finish and I'm finally going to enjoy myself as the patient loving and just like introspective and healthy father that I want to be. Uh, But it continues to be a process. Um, and I know, I know you are very, let me offer,
0: let me offer some hope. Yeah. Yeah, please. (laughs) Is, um, you doing, you you do get to enjoy those things. If if you'll, if you'll take your journey seriously, if you'll take, you'll, if you'll take the healing path, you do. Um, man, my thirties were awesome. Like I, my marriage got better. My friendships got better. I just had more fun. I, I I just I played more, uh, and and I enjoyed playing more. You know, I wasn't just a driven guy. So you know, there's hope. It's not like you wait till you die uh, for the joy to come. No way. Like there's a ton of joy with every step in the healing path. Things things get richer. Uh, life gets it really does. Life gets better, and and your love gets better. So now, I mean, I mean, not like 10 years from now. I mean, there's really hope. There's hope for next week.
1: Right. I think maybe the fact that I can get like my package from Amazon in one day um, kind of ha- solidifies this, this. Kind of just desire to just see it right away, to see it now, but over and over I've been shown physically um, God has been showing me like there's a process, son, there's a process, and there's it's important to focus on the in between times. Um, you were actually recently talking about this in in your podcast. Can you just kind of take a couple of moments to to share your heart on that a little bit more um, yeah let's
0: let's riff on that for a second, please because I'm doing it I'm I'm responding to an email today. And, and if you use Gmail, you know, now the new little feature is it will recommend responses.
1: Love it. Do it all the time.
0: <laughs> I know. Okay. But, but the point is like, it literally takes nothing of you. You don't even have to write your own emails anymore. You don't have to find your way through town. Okay. Cause, cause Google maps do that for you and you don't need to remember anything because Siri will remind you and you understand this is terrible. This is terrible. You know, you don't. Need, you don't need to go to the grocery store. No, like, I you, don't. You they do it order. for me. Yeah, yeah. You can get online, put your order in, yes. get your groceries. Like, so the the whole world has refined comfort to a to a ridiculous degree. You know, you, your seat heater in your car keeps your butt warm. I mean, there's nothing that you have to do, right? And and so. Um, That's terrible on the the masculine soul because men are shaped by doing. Wow. And we get a lot of joy out of doing. And by the way, doing real things, not doing doing technology. Right. uh, But doing real things. And so what's happening is, you know, Amazon has taught you, you can get it tomorrow. Yeah. Right? I love it. Yeah. And therefore that builds expectations around, your life with God, what it means to be a man. It builds expectations around friendship and marriage and career that are really damaging because when things get hard, most of us, and I I include myself in this, we go straight to, oh, come on, God, what the heck, man? Why is this hard? And we don't realize that often the hardness is our initiation. It's strengthening things. It's doing things in our souls that need to be done. But we've been so conditioned by comfort. You don't even need to write your own emails anymore. Like we've been so conditioned that, that we're, we are flabby souls.
1: And you know what? I mean, I graduated from Embry-Riddle, uh, this past May with a degree in unmanned aircraft systems, right? Like I have a degree in drone technology. I'm not against technology, right? Like I'm, I'm really not, but I do see what you're saying. Like I, I wouldn't want, I would want technology to continue to be my tool and not be made a tool by my technology. I get it. And I think maybe just it's insidious because we don't necessarily think that these little actions are reshaping us, that they are uh, redefining comfort for us and, and making it so that when things get hard, when we really are going through a difficult situation um, we are not the men that we're supposed to be sculpted as the men that we're supposed to be as, as God designed us to be for that, for that moment. So I, I definitely, I definitely can agree with that.
0: Yeah. And the thing is that again, the goal is life. The goal is joy. The goal is happiness. So you you pick anything you enjoy doing. You know, if you, if you enjoy, You know surfing or you enjoy tennis or or skiing if you enjoy you know riding your motorcycle you've got to get good at it right and the more you get good at it the more joy you get out of it that's the masculine journey you you are shaped into a a richer and stronger man and you get more joy out of it it's not like it's not like the whole thing is just is just uh be a hard ass it's It's no, man, we are we are working towards joy. We are we are after happiness. It's just it's just like anything else in life. If you play an instrument, you know, when you first pick that thing up, you didn't sound very good.
1: No, it's (laughs) fine. Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: But if you stick with those kinds of things, riding a bicycle, doing triathlons, whatever it is, the joy comes in the process of being transformed.
1: I'm okay with that. I am. I I just don't think that there's a lot of people that could listen to that on the first take and say, okay, yeah, I'll buy in, right? Forget ROI, forget hustle, forget (laughs) grind. (laughs) I'm buying in, John.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I understand. But
1: uh, I'm with you. Seriously, I really am. Um, Could you think of a time where maybe you did something that was, Um, unattractive. It was kind of just like uh, kind of a, maybe even can be considered a pain, but you saw that the ROI on it was incredible. Uh, Maybe a season later, I'll give you a quick example that came to mind for me. I chose to just say no to my book um, that I've been devouring. And I said, okay, son, I'll play with, I'll play with you. I'll make, I'll build Legos with you. And I spent an hour and a half on the floor with my son building Legos and to have my four year old grab me in the face and say, dad, thank you so much. I love you. That's an incredible return on investment that the world really would have been like, Hey, how much could you have earned in that hour and a half? What do you got?
0: Life is filled with those choices, isn't it? It's just, it's just filled with it. And yeah. Um, I think looking back on it a, on a, as a younger man, some of the choices, um, my wife was depressed. She was in a pretty serious uh, depression and um, choosing to stay in the marriage, choosing to walk it out, uh, through some pretty um, difficult years. And, and now like, wow, like not just now, but you know, earlier in my forties, like marriage got really good. Sex got really good. Life got really good. Um, but those were hard choices to hang in there when there was no immediate benefit, right? It it, it wasn't, Oh, thank you. I'm better now. You know, it, it, it was the long road of love.
1: I, uh, ended up having a pretty rough time when I first got married And it was because years later journaling, again, I, I think it's because I read uh, Fathered by God uh, the first time and I actually did what you recommended in the book. I read it the first time through and I went back and did the the um, the workbook with it the second time. So I'm journaling, um, really taking my time. And, and uh, I realized I only did hard things when I was naturally good at them, right? So like I was a wrestler and I just for some reason, I just was naturally good. Um, I had no experience and I ended up making it to States a couple times. I went to a division one college and I started in, in high school. Um, and then I was really good with girls. Um, that was just came natural. And then I was really good in the Marine Corps. I got meritoriously promoted to corporal and then was quickly promoted above all of my peers. i um, people that came in well before me to Sergeant. I'm like, I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm kicking butt. So I get married and I'm like, I'm naturally going to be good at this. John, mind you, I never saw a healthy marriage in my life. Again, my mother was never married. My, my grandparents never married. Um, my father fathered 11 children with six different women. Um, so, but for some reason I said, you know what, I'm just going to be naturally good at this. And I wasn't. I sucked at marriage. And so, what came out of that is is a young woman saying, "Hey, this sucks. I don't want to be in this. Um yeah, I'm walking away, four months in. Like, are you serious? I'm not that bad." And choices. it was just individual choices, unattractive, uh just you know, not fun um choices and And the return on investments on on those would not have looked good for, to some people who think logically. But now I could say, you know, six and a half years later, three children and me and my wife are having such a good time. My wife looked at me and she asked me, Hey, do you think our marriage is getting better or getting worse? And I was so scared that she was doing this to set me up for something like to tell me what she thought. And I'm like, Oh gosh, you know, I don't want my answer to be so different from her. So I'm like, Oh, I'm thinking about it. But I really, I had to be honest. I'm like, I think our marriage has gotten better each and every year. And I think we've had our best part of our marriage so far has been this last year. It's just gotten better. And I was so thrilled to hear her say me too. I was so thrilled, but yeah, it, it was the process. Oh, it really was, it was a long process. It was not anything I was, I was just good at. Um, but I don't think I, I necessarily look at that and, and, and attribute it, or kind of place that in other areas of my life and say the same thing that I did here that worked here is going to work here.
0: And, and so, guys, you know, as you're listening to this, where's your pain? Right. Because mm-hmm. God is God is working where the pain is. And so, you know, in your case, it was your wife saying, I don't like this. I'm out I'm of here. And in another guy's story, it might be he loses his job. In another guy's story, uh, he, he's got no friends. Like, where's your pain? Because I bet that's where God's working. I bet that's where he is wanting to father you into a new horizon that you don't know how to get to yourself.
1: Where do you think that you have, um, gotten God wrong the most? What's an area of your life that you feel like you just didn't have the, the clear picture of the Lord.
0: That he's not generous, that he's not, um, not really here he's up there i mean he's running things and he is god and and ultimately it all works out but in my life i think that the really broken view of god is you're not really here and you're not really generous you know and you can just my gosh you just go back into my story and you go alcoholic father abandoned the family wasn't able to provide for us so yeah you know, you're not here and you're not generous. You know, it's like your, your story, gang, your story has shaped not only you, but it's shaped your view of God and people and love and everything else.
1: I was always proud that I was the only child out of the, the 11 that have, has never been spanked by my father and carrying that into my adulthood unknowingly. Right I'm not like consciously thinking about that, but I am afraid of the Lord's rebuke. I am terrified of doing something wrong, and I will actually not um, have the full faith that I want to because I'm terrified. Am I making the wrong move? Am I making the wrong step that's going to get me spanked? While there's some people who are just like, "I love the spanking, you know, just a quick little tap on the butt, and I'm in the back in the right direction. I'm back in relationship. I'm like, no, no, no. I just don't want to mess up. So yeah, I can relate, yeah. relate to that with you.
0: Yeah. And the thing is that serves you well for a while. But, af- but after a while, it's, it's just not good anymore. And, and that's what I mean about, like, where's the pain? And after a while, that doesn't work. And, and you go, man, hey, I, I need some healing here. I, I need a new view of God. I, I, need, I need to know you as you really are.
1: So I want to go ahead and shift gears and take some of those questions that I got from the audience. I was uh, very excited to let people know, hey, that I was going to have you on the show. And they were very excited about sending multiple questions. So this is, a, this is one that I thought was awesome. Um, Wild at Heart has, been a profound, has had a profound impact on men in the body of Christ. Did you face any spiritual attacks during the writing process and how did you overcome them?
0: will the only way that God can train a warrior is to put him in battle. Um, and man, oh man, we had no idea what we were opening. We opened Pandora's box. Um, I, I mean, I was just a dude, I was just a counselor in a private practice and, and I was seeing a lot of men and seeing a lot of the same issues in men. and, and uh, I'm like, okay, yeah, let's write this. Let's write this out. But, um, we have learned some serious, some serious spiritual warfare through going after and rescuing guys. Yeah, man. Yes. Yes, we did. And not just back then. I mean, right up to this moment. You know, it's, it's been uh, 20 years of serious combat to set a lot of guys free.
1: It's a common uh, tactic that when you can't see a battlefield, um, you can't see the enemy well or what his next plan would be to actually get on the other side of the table, out of the on the other side of the terrain model and look at the battlefield from the perspective of the enemy. And it's so clear that from the enemy's perspective, this is a foundational book um, that's talked about in every single church that I've been to um, over the last several years. And it has been impacting men across the world. So, yeah, 100%. This is going to want to get, you know, he's going to want to take that out. That's critical artillery.
0: You know what, Ray? That's a fascinating thought you just gave your listeners. So, guys, think about that for a second. Um, Ask yourself this. If if I was the enemy and I was going to take me out, you know, Dave, Joe, you know, Tyler, like, how would he do it? Like ask yourself that question because you go, oh my gosh, like it does give you a new view of the terrain and it, and it it would, it'll help you realize, holy cow, I would take out my friendships or I would attack my wife or, you know, you could, you could probably name it. Right. And then you can see it as it's happening in your life. That's good counsel.
1: Another question. Uh, What are some ways that we can communicate with our wives about the importance of not hindering masculinity in our children, in our in our boys, um, but instead partner with them to release it in the right context?
0: She's got to feel like masculinity is a great thing. okay? so and that's how you handle her. Uh, If she thinks your strength is a great thing, this isn't going to be a problem, guys. But if she, and also her story, let's be fair, you know, you gotta know her story. So you, you gotta listen to her story. What was your life like with your dad, with the men in your life? What did you learn about masculinity, hun? Like just ask her. And, and she's like, well, that it's untrustworthy, unreliable, you know, kind of thing. Um, because you wanna, you wanna bring about the healing in her heart too. You wanna be an advocate for that. You wanna be her champion for the healing of her heart. And she's learned some things about masculinity and I bet a lot of it is really bad. Uh, so so if your love and being with you and life with you is teaching her that masculinity is great, it's fun and it's romantic and it is, I feel safe with you, like you protect me, then she's gonna want that for your sons, right? But but if she's still got some pretty big doubts, then that's where the work's got to be. You know, you can't just be. We need to raise our boys this way. She's got to be on board with masculinity is awesome, right? Uh, yeah, and and you know, you might give her a, 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 you might give her Wild at Heart and, and say, Hey, a lot of moms have felt found this helpful in raising boys. Let's let's read this, and and she can read it and go, What? I never knew that. I never, you know. Uh, I, I mean, seriously, I think half the wild at heart readers have actually been women in the number of moms that have, you know, written me and said, thank you so much. This really helped me as a single mom, raising my boys. Uh, that might be a way in the doors to say, Hey, hun, you know, this has been helpful. Let's, let's read this. And, and it's not about her and it's not about you. It's about the boys.
1: That's true. So exactly. It's
0: safe, right. It's safe. You're not saying, Hey babe, you're kind of a mess. I want to, yeah. I want to fix. You.
1: Let's fix you. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. But you know what? I, I will say this um, as much as I would want to instill strong masculinity into my boys. Um, I think one of the mistakes that I made was devalue uh, my wife's perspective when it came to my boys. Um, so w- while we want to partner with them to release that in the right context, um, like like we just heard here, we definitely don't want to say, you know what, your value for risk uh, or for safety is disproportionate. We need to be all about risk and exposing them. Um, and it's just, you know, you, there's going to be a happy medium. Um, and I think the fact that we together are one, uh, the mother uh, side of God and the father side of God, we, we see his perspective. And together in that partnership, we do it the right way. Um, what do you think?
0: Yeah, right on. That's really good, Ray. Yeah, because mom's there for a reason, fellas. Yeah. You know, and and mothers teach mercy and they teach unconditional love. You know, when the little guy wants to, you know, jump his bike off the dirt ramp, he asks dad. But when he skins his knee, he runs to mom. And and mom, mom is comfort. Mom is faithfulness. And, and little boys need that uh, yes. big time. They need that, so yeah. You don't want to undervalue that comfort thing that moms bring too. Uh, it's it's fascinating. I uh, um, I understand that little boys actually need more comfort from their mother than little girls do.
1: Yeah,
0: isn't that fascinating? Yeah. So mom's there for a reason, and your partner's in this. What she brings is awesome, and what you bring is awesome.
1: Exactly. I was I was stunned to find out uh, recently in a book I was listening to about a crazy horse that the Lakota Indians have a, a, a just awing respect for women, the women in their in their culture, and it's it's weird to think that because it's a warrior culture, so you would think you know warrior gung ho hooray, like we're you know it's all about the the grunting <laughs> you know it's just but really what the men. Understood is that a woman was carrying the next generation of warriors and that it was, it was her who was first going to teach that child courage Wow! beside her that that child was going to be built up. The foundation was going to be set up for then the father to go ahead and continue to mold and shape. And that happened all the way until he was about seven or nine. Um, I I thought that was fascinating, just that a primitive culture, you know, quote unquote, primitive culture um, that we might devalue actually had such had it completely backwards, you know, from what we might think. I love that. We got another question. Um, as a teacher in a low-income area, boys being raised entirely by women are more and more prevalent. I see more often than not that when a man steps in, the boy rejects, rebels, or rebuffs against every authority or father figure. What do you see as a key component that would help build these important relationships and help develop young men?
0: Kindness. Kindness. He, he, needs, he doesn't know that, that men are safe. He doesn't know that men are loving. He doesn't know that men are a source of kindness. And so if you come in with the masculine lessons first, that's not going to go well, right? You come in with the discipline. You come in with the, you know, come on, suck it up. Let's go. Um, That's not going to go well. He needs to understand that you are a source of kindness and encouragement and love. And then he can be open to you are also authority, and you you know. And I'm not saying abdicate your authority. You know, if you're in a classroom, you gotta you gotta rule that classroom. You you just gotta do it. Uh, but, but I think you can do it in ways that convey love and kindness, because uh, that's what that little boy is. He's doubting that, right? He doesn't doesn't trust masculinity, and he's got some reasons why.
1: I've heard John Maxwell talk about uh, different types of leadership levels and there's the first two would be the personal, I'm sorry, the uh, positional leadership. And then there's a personal leadership. And I think a lot of times we, in just wanting to hurry up the process, we stay at the positional leadership level and we just say, I'm older than you. I'm the man in this. I am the teacher. I am the authority figure, the coach, whatever. And we don't go to, to that personal level and that kindness um, is what draws them in every time, every single time, even the hardest of kids I I've seen just like, I mean, even me, you know, as a young teenager, like just being like trying to put on this tough facade, but you know, if you crack me the wrong way, I'm, I'm going to start sobbing. You know, there's, there's that I needed that kindness. Um, so I'm with you there. Here's, here's one last one, um, that I got for you, John, what is the largest hurdle that people tend to find when trying to find God, um, or accept him? And how do you overcome that hurdle?
0: Well, it's what you believe about him. Um, ask yourself, what do I really believe about God? And be honest, like be really honest because that's what's in the way. Some, something is in there that's in the way and it, might be it might be something as simple as yeah he doesn't really talk to me or, no 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 John ten my sheep hear my voice no that that's not true but if you believe that if you make an agreement with that then you're gonna have a hard time feeling like God is talking to you, you know or, or or you might if you're really honest one day I did this and I I said that I'm dis I'm disappointing him God is disappointed with me. And, and you're not going to want to be around somebody that's disappointed with you. <laughs> if you feel like you're constantly disappointing someone, you're, you're not going to want to be in their presence. And, and so just ask yourself, honestly, what do I believe about, about God and us? What do I believe about us, our relationship? And, and see if there's a pretty significant lie there that's, that's really hurting, hurting the relationship.
1: Yeah. Some great advice. It's really good. John, uh, I'm curious, since we're at the beginning of the year, do you have any goals for this year?
0: You know, I do. I do. I, I, um, a couple years ago, I, at the beginning of the year, I always ask God, what are we doing? What's the year about? Try and get a word over the year. Try and get some direction. <clears throat> and a couple years ago, he said to me, make other people successful. And I realized when he said that that I was still really focused on my career, and my mission, and my growth, and you know, and I'm like, whoa, that is such good counsel, man, because um, I've got some great people around me, and I, I, I don't want to say I forgot it. I still believe it, but I found myself coming back to it after a couple years, saying, I, I need to, I need to get that back in front. Um, this year, I want to look at the people, I want to look at the people around me and, and ask myself, how, how can I promote them? How can I make them, how can I make them successful?
1: I really like that. I'm still waiting for my word for the year. I'm still pressing in, but that is really good. That just feels right. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah, you bet right John do you can you tell our listeners where they could find you uh, what you're up to over there what do you have coming up next
0: yep so um, our, our bread and butter is we do live events for men uh, built around wild at heart we do them here in the US and we do them around the world and so if that kind of thing would float your boat you can get you know you can Google John Eldridge and get to our ministry it's called ransomed heart you can google wild at heart and get to us Um And uh, you can listen to those. You can watch some of that uh, online right now. And uh, we have a podcast and and some other stuff, you know, for your growth and for your life.
1: Excellent. I'm going to go ahead and put links to that down below for everybody to get a a hold of. Now, um, I am a little excited because I heard that you have a book coming out here the next month. I want to know a little bit more about it.
0: Yeah, it's called Get Your Life Back, Everyday Practices for a World Gone Mad. Um, the world is nuts, folks. It's absolutely nuts. And it's trying to take your soul with it. And just the pace of life, the amount of technology, uh, it's really frying us. And, and you lose your humanity. You lose your joy. You just get tired. Uh, and so this book is a series that um, I made it very simple to read because I know reading is hard these days for people. The internet has literally taught us it's, it's, it's literally changing the shape of our brain, the structure of our brain, that anything longer than a blog post, that's just too long. So I've written it in a way that it's uh, short chapters with very simple applications of things that you can do right now in this crazy, crazy world to begin to get your life back, get some joy back, get some restoration in your soul. Uh, so I'm stoked. I'm really stoked for this book.
1: I love that. I can't wait to read it. I I already want I'm I actually just heard that we can pre-order it. So, um that's something I'm going to put on my to-do list. John, thank you so much for this time. Um I am so appreciative of, of you just coming out here and coming on here and um just kicking it with me, having conversation. I want to ask you before I let you go. Could you pray for my audience?
0: Okay, Father, we we need a whole lot more fathering. And uh, we don't know how to find it, and we don't know what it looks like. So all we can start with is, would you father me? Uh, where I am right now at this stage in my life, where where do I need fathering? And where are you trying to be generous to me that I, I don't even see? And where are you trying to love me that I don't? I'm not receiving it? And where are you shaping me into a better man that I just think it's trial and hassle? So Father, open my eyes. Show me how you are trying to father me.